0: Assalamualaikum and hi everyone, this is a social business program podcast brought to you exclusively by School of Business and Social Sciences from Al Bukhari International University. First of all, I'm going to introduce myself. I'm Dr. Nawal and I'm a lecturer at Al Bukhari International University. The main purpose of this podcast is to spread awareness of social business practices in Malaysia and also to reach out to aspiring social entrepreneurs. For your information, this social business program is aligned with Al Bukhari International University's mission, which is to provide opportunity to serve humanity through social business in a redesigned learning environment. Social business is actually a niche area of Al Bukhari International University. Today is actually our very first episode for this podcast, and we are very fortunate to have Iris Academy, which is a well-known accredited social enterprise, to agree for an interview with us now I'm going to brief a little bit about ARUS Academy. ARUS Academy is a social enterprise based in Penang that provides after-school classes where students actively solve problems by building and creating their own physical and digital solutions. So for the next segment, we will listen to the interview session that I had with Mr. Daniel Russell. Okay, here with us today is uh, Mr. Daniel Russell, all the way from Penang. Uh, We are very honoured to have you here with us to do this interview. Okay, for your information, I'm just going to talk a little bit about uh, Mr. Daniel Russell. Mr. Daniel Russell is one of the four co-founder, director of uh, ARUS Academy. Am I right? Yes. Yes, okay. Mr. Daniel is actually the youth pillar. Okay, Mr. Okay, Mr. Daniel. Okay, Mr. Daniel. Uh, first, can you explain a little bit more about uh, Arus Academy? Uh, what is it all about? Maybe about what programs are offered, and okay. how is it? And how is it different from the normal school curriculum?
1: Okay. Um, thank you for having me on this uh, podcast. Uh, it was it's a pleasure. Uh, so, Arus Academy is a social enterprise where we try to uh, empower students. Or today's problem solvers uh, through engaging and exciting experiential learning. Uh, so everything that they learn uh, is not based of like a particular subject or based of a particular uh, a stream or something like that. Uh, we always uh, want to make learning relevant for the students uh, and something that is very uh, enriching for the students. Yeah, so that they can be future innovators, uh, future problem solvers uh, you know and like help their community at the same time
0: that's that's good okay so what is your key driving force to become an entrepreneur
1: um being an entrepreneur wasn't something that uh, we intended to be or i intended to be Uh, i think it was coincidental uh, that we became uh, a social enterprise uh, because uh, my co-founders and I, we were, we were focused at uh, pick, uh, uh, creating like a learning space or a, uh, for like an, a learning environment for the underserved community back in Alma Bukit Matajang. Uh Since then, I guess the driving force is still the same where we are continuously striving to empower these students to be problem solvers.
0: Okay. Uh so um the, 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 the academy is uh start started with uh, to be an academy or is it a, a tuition center or something like that?
1: More like um uh, an after school learning space. So we don't uh see ourselves as a tuition space or uh like a enrichment space. It was a space where students they are able to Uh, freely learn uh, and take control of their their education. You know, we we teachers uh, merely are facilitators. We do have like a curriculum that we designed for them uh, that is STEM-based, you know, because we wanted to introduce them to uh, programming skills, uh, problem-solving skills, uh, project-making skills, and all this. But these are just mere tools for them to enhance their learning. So... Uh, students, they have the freedom to decide what kind of projects do they want to make, what kind of problems do they want to solve. Uh, so, an after-school space is created for them to really explore and learn.
0: So, for them to have the added value in
1: their... Yeah. So, the, the context behind this is we found that the students, you know, they didn't see the relevance in learning uh, the things that they are learning in school uh, you know, why Why do I need to learn function in math? Or like, why do I learn, need to learn tr- uh, trigonometry, you know, in mathematics? They didn't see like, everything is just formula, formula, formula in school. Like, so what's the point in all this, you know? But when they come to Aros, you know, when they make projects, I remember there was one student who needed to like uh, create a mechanism, like because he wanted to build some sort of an elevator uh, and he realized that it's important to understand gears, you know, how different sizes of gears can change different types of speed. And suddenly it clicked in him that, you know, he has learned something like this in school before, but now he sees it in practice.
0: Oh, okay. That's that's interesting. Okay, so how did the idea of your business come about?
1: The idea of Iris Academy? Okay. Um, Back in 2013 and 2014, uh, we were all school teachers under the Teach for Malaysia program. Uh, We were all sent to uh, schools in Penang. So Felicia and I, we were on the island. Uh, I was in Sungai Ara and Felicia was in Sungai Nibong. Um, And Alina and David, they were in the same school in Bukit Matajam. So So the school that they were in is one of the lowest performing schools in the whole of Penang. Uh, They saw that the students there had no motivation to learn Uh, and didn't see the relevance in their learning. So, in in their second year, in 2014, uh, each of them started their own initiative. Alina started a a peer tutoring program within a community that saw her students empowered to teach other students uh, and it cascaded down to other children in the community. She used this um, uh, community hall in a flat area and... Uh, a few nights during the week, uh, the students would be there doing their homework, learning to read, learning to count. And her students were mentoring other students who were teaching other students. So it was, uh, in a way, like some sort of like it created this whole love of learning environment. And uh, David, he, on the other hand, started a coding club at school uh, to introduce coding to his students uh, because he 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 finds that you know uh, coding is it can be exciting uh, and and something that interest that can interest students in the school uh, and because of that they also got the opportunity to participate in innovation competitions and science fairs and these students they 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 got opportunities that they never have gotten before uh, because of the coding club you know they went on to see uh, what what is out there you know being in in the school that they were in. Uh, there's not much op- option or opportunity to see what is out there so going to a science fair seeing uh, some of the best schools in the in, in the state uh, you know um, showcasing their projects you know and it sort of gives the students some sort of confidence as well you know they can see like what i can do uh, against what uh, these other students with whatever resources that they had can do as well you know and they they you know slowly develop that sense of confidence uh, and see that, you know, I can achieve. Yeah, so, and, and, and then later on, they both saw, you know, that there is an opportunity to, like, um, do something outside of school where all these students, uh, you know, like, gathered together, all these students that they were reaching out to and, and, and nurturing. And uh, they realized that, you know, with a learning environment, uh, that they can control every single piece of it because in school, you know, there's only so much a teacher can do, right? So they wanted to be able to have that learning environment uh, and, you know, they can see more potential for their students. Lah. So they still wanted so, to join... Sorry?
0: Uh, so many, arrows Academy is offering something different from the school, uh, so that our students can uh, brush up on their skills, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we are. We don't intend to like replace school per se, but to complement whatever schooling experience that they had, or supplementing whatever school experience that they had, lah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but because okay. they wanted to like continue uh, teaching, so they needed help from uh, other teachers. So they roped in Felicia and I to uh, help them out. Okay, and
0: that's how the Arrows Academy uh, started, right? Yeah. Okay, so how did you come up with the name Arus?
1: I A lot of people think that Arus is like an acronym, uh, A-R-U-S, but actually it's the word itself. Uh, it means current in Malay, uh, like water or an electric current. Uh, because for us, uh, it symbolizes like the energy and the potential. You know, like if in science, you know, we learn that uh, when there's current, there's energy in the system. You know, there's some active uh, ingredient that's happening. So we opted for this lah, to symbolize what we want to see in our students, to be active learners, uh, instead of being passive learners, like there's energy and excitement within the students to want to learn uh, uh, and want to and, and what we want to see in their education as well as their learning experience.
0: Okay. How do you build a successful customer base? Um, and, and before that, uh, what are the prog- programs offered in aris Academy? Can you give a few examples?
1: Uh, as of now, there are various types of programs that we do. Uh, we have expanded beyond a learning space in Pinang So the learning space in Pinang is still running. Uh, we still offer uh, tech programs where uh, more students in the area of Bukit Matajam uh, have access to coding uh, and and. And project making and all this, um, but beyond that, uh, we also have uh, an office in KL, uh, and in and in the KL region, they do a lot of projects uh, with different different partners uh, that uh, touch on different different aspects of education uh, beyond tech, uh, beyond like uh, STEM education. Uh, we have programs uh, involving um, teachers. We do a lot of teacher training. Uh, like last year, we had uh, COVID, right, and uh, schools move into remote teaching and all that. And uh, we were in the midst of like helping teachers upskill themselves with uh, digital tools, so then they can continue teaching uh, with the students, providing engaging uh, lessons to the students and all this. Uh, we also have uh, at the moment uh, media literacy, so we are working with uh, different partners in the media to raise media literacy within uh, students through the teachers. Uh, And then we also have another one, which is uh, regards with uh, financial literacy. So we wanted to raise more awareness about uh, financial literacy, um, protection with Takaful, uh, especially for the underprivileged communities.
0: Okay, so how do you, uh, from the programs that you offered, how do you build a successful customer base? I mean, what is your baguette group, the age the, uh, range of the students?
1: The students that we work with um, start from upper primary to uh, secondary level. Uh, upper primary. Yeah, upper primary to secondary level. Uh, okay. Like the one in Penang, uh, we have students as young as uh, 10 years old all the way until... Uh, 17 years old yeah so we've been working with students uh since the beginning so some of our students now have also like for so they studies and all that um and then we have been va- through the various programs as well uh mainly is like secondary school students
0: so these are very young people right so they have the skills uh, at a very uh, young age i think
1: mm, yeah so, yeah, they have the potential to develop all these skills. Uh, it's not difficult. Uh, we even have like a program um, called Future Skills where uh, we provide free access to coding uh, to all uh, school students in Malaysia uh, for free. And it's on the Ministry of Education's uh, self-learning portal, DELIMA. Uh, and you know, we are able to like, reach out to as many students as we can uh, back to your question about how did we build all this um, customer base, uh, I think it's through a lot of collaboration uh, with school teachers, especially um, uh, beyond school teachers, uh, working with like, the education department in the district and also in the state uh, and, and to a certain extent uh, at the federal level as well. Okay.
0: So um, how do you market your business and uh, which tactics have been most successful
1: uh, for us, I think we've been very fortunate to have met wonderful people during uh, the early years. Uh, we were also like in a niche segment uh, of being a social enterprise and as well as uh, working in education, uh, meaning that we are one of the few organizations out there that provide uh, some sort of education service uh, to corporate companies, to agencies um, that wants to do something to help the education system. Uh, So we provide our services to them, we develop programs, uh, we run projects uh, that can impact as many uh, students as possible. And from there, I would say that um, having these partners put out a good word about what we do helps us in building a reputation of being a reliable partner uh, when it comes to education. so, I think we, we, pro- we do good work, um, and then the work speaks for itself.
0: Yeah, I totally agree on that. So, um, so since uh, Aros Academy is an accredited social enterprise, uh, it has to have some requirement of being a financial sustain- sustainable uh, company, mm. right? So, how do you achieve uh, financial sustainability?
1: Um, for us, we define financial sustainability as um, able to generate um, funds whenever we need it. Um, not so much of like um, whether we can, um, like, because the kind of business model that we have is not the type that gets money rolling within a machine and it continuously churns out value uh, all the time. So. Uh, as we do things that are more like project-based and program-based, you know, where we we are always looking for new opportunities to impact education uh, at, at different levels, at different angles, uh, and different approaches. So this requires us to work with different partners or uh, work with the same partners for different opportunities. Um, and for us, sustainability would mean that we have um, we have the future potential to generate funds. Yeah, so having, having that, that relationship with different organisations allow us to um, establish that confidence. Okay. Alright.
0: So, uh, uh, what do you think is the biggest challenge in running a business?
1: Um, I would say the biggest challenge in running uh, this sort of business is talent. And also developing talent. Uh, working in education, you know, it's not something that uh, is, is uh, something that is very scalable, like easy to find manpower. Uh, because you need people uh, with the right skills and also with the right heart, uh, you know, and the right focus of like working towards, you know, improving education as a whole. So for us. Uh, it it is a good challenge uh, to ensure that you know everyone that we have is working at their best uh, operationally, you know, management wise, uh, you know, and also like to ensure that the team is able to develop new capabilities that enable us to take on different types of educational projects. So like if you see the evolution of Arus, initially we started off doing just tech programs, STEM, uh, and then after that we moved on to different. Uh, Areas, you know, uh, teacher training, uh, and then we move on to like um, financial literacy, media literacy, um, and all the while uh, trying and then like able to like develop um, self learning platforms, uh, you know. So we're always equipping ourselves with different capabilities to offer different types of services, lah. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: what is the most uh, rewarding experience while running your business? So it should be rewarding, right, for you to help students to brush up on their yeah or their
1: yeah own. it is uh, and in in my opinion the most rewarding experience uh, being in Arus is seeing the growth in the students that we work with uh, you know it it enforces like uh, it it reminds you like that whatever you sow into their lives you know will benefit them and the people around them uh, and we do see this. Uh, we, we do see this in the long term, uh, not really in the short term, you know, they may come off a program and pretty much they, you know, they just learn new things and then they go on. But you do see, you know, there is some sort of uh, change in, in their uh, expected like, trajectory. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, of course, there are some kind of culture that exists in your organization, right? For, from where, from how you run mm-hmm. the business. So what kind of culture exists in your organisation and how did you establish the culture? Uh,
1: in ARUS, we have like this, um, we call it the rich values, which um, stands for respect, efficient, adventurous, collaboration and honesty. Uh, it's, it's, it's what we do with our students, but also what we do within the organisation. Um, and. It it promotes a very open culture, a very honest culture. Um, that we don't have any strict levels of hierarchy in the organization. Uh, everyone is approachable by anyone, you know. Uh, regardless if you are an intern or an associate or the co-founder, uh, that's what that's the kind of feedback that we do get. Uh, like you know, we we don't have that like protocol, you know, to include what you're supposed to know and not supposed to know and things like that. Uh, we're pretty open lah and uh, being co-founders we know that you know we set the tone and the culture for the organization. So it was important la, that we be the we are the role models and and model out and demonstrate you know what this means. Yeah. And with this also like the reason why we want to do this is to um minimize bureaucracy. Like things move very quickly. We don't want to like put too many like procedures in the way. Uh, you know, so everything is based off like I trust that you do good work. Uh, you know, that's how that's how we've been working. And anyone who joins the organization is expected to do so. Uh, we we only care, you know, if like as long as deadlines and work deliverables are met. You know, all staff members are pretty much in control of their own work hours and how they uh, they manage their time So you know, uh, I think, I believe like this results in our staff members being empowered to make their own choices and decisions about their work as well. Yeah. The, the important thing that we have to do on the other hand is to make sure that um, everyone's workload uh, is being monitored so that no one is, not one person is like overwhelmed because the work that we do is like very project based. Sometimes you carry on multiple projects and things like that. Uh, So having, uh, having this kind of Fluid culture helps Move things quickly
0: Also, mm-hmm. uh, okay Before that um, I just want to know uh, How do you reach out to your um, To the students To the students that you Want to take mm-hmm. into your academy So how do you choose your students? In the early years uh,
1: When we When, uh, when we enroll students into our academy uh, It was through Alina and David Because they were the school teachers uh. Yeah, so they recruited uh, the students that they're working with in school, uh, you know, and tell them, like, you know, there's this free program uh, outside of school, you want to join or not. Uh, So interested students, what we ask them to do is to write in a letter of intent uh, as to, like, why they want to uh, join this program, you know, to show their commitment to lah. And then from there, we interview them and all that to really make sure that this is what they really want and not because they want to, like, follow friends, you know. Yeah. And then later on, we as we expanded and as the co-founders uh, left school to do a full school time. Uh, then we worked with other teachers in different schools um, and we ran workshops in their schools and then we uh, exposed them. That, these are the things that you get to learn. Uh, and the program initially was like sponsored and all that. And then after that, we moved on to it being a, uh, a paid program um, but at, a, at, at an affordable cost. Lah. And what we do starting from this year is that we got, um, we got sponsorship from the different um, state consist- constituency, uh, like the ADUN and the MP of Bukit Matajang. Uh, so they were very gracious in sponsoring students within their constituency to receive this free program. So we've become more and more open. Uh, those who can pay, join the program, uh, those who cannot afford fees, uh, they get sponsored to join the program. And starting from this year, so, uh, we managed to like open up to more students because we've turned the program into an online program where they, it's a self-paced, self-learning program. So we can accommodate more students than before.
0: Okay, so... Um... Uh, for uh, for the students that we choose and I mean uh, for, you go you do go to schools maybe uh, and you do you promote uh, using pamphlet or posters uh,
1: we we run um, like a banking for the students so like for example we went to a school uh, we told the teacher that we wanted um, some time uh, so it was during like a wednesday because now in school co uh, curriculum is like on Wednesday morning, uh, if they have morning session, right? So yes. they have like two hours like that. Um, and then we were given time uh, for the slot of, for club computer or club um, science computer, or something like that, or club robotic. And then we use that time. And then we talk about the program. And then after that, we did a simple workshop with them where they get to try it out. We brought the sets. And in some cases, we even bring our laptops into the school uh, so that they can try out programming for the first time. And then, you know, like telling them, you no, there's so much things that you can do when you have this kind of skill and all that. So they got first-hand experience um, and then they write down like, if they're interested in the program and then we follow up from there with the parents.
0: Okay. Uh, do you follow up with the students after they have yeah. finished? Learning? The students
1: that finished the program with us here in um, Penang, um, we, we call them like Arus Alumni. Uh, So, we have like a WhatsApp group with all these students and uh, we do keep track of like where they are, uh, what are they up to and all that kind of thing. Uh, We have students that are like um, in the middle of their degree at the moment. So, there are a lot of students in different phases of their lives that we keep track.
0: Okay, that's interesting. So um what advice uh do you want to give to other aspiring social ent-
1: entrepreneurs
0: um, uh, this uh, podcast uh will be posted on uh, different social medias and also on the the, the International University okay. website and and other social media platforms so, uh, uh, what advice do you want to give to other aspiring social entrepreneurs that will be listening to this podcast
1: I think for me, uh, the first advice, lah, I think I got about three that I've written down here. Uh, the first advice is, uh, it's important to find the right people to work with. Uh, you need to pay close attention to the values that others have and evaluate if they are aligned enough uh, to yours. Like, say you want to for example, like Aruskan, like we want to do something for education, but if let's say you find somebody who wants to uh, come in and help, but all they're thinking about is like uh, making profit, you know, uh, and you know, you know that they have different values, not wrong, but not aligned to how you want to achieve your objectives. So it's very important to know what are some of the values that people hold. So then uh, you, you will have a very strong team that, that, can move in the same direction for the second device, the second advice um, I would say is just, just do it. Uh, Don't think too much into it. Uh, Don't try to like uh, analyze and research and research, you know, just, just get on with it. Uh, It's always going to be a learning process. The more you are involved in it, the more you will learn. Uh, You find yourself talking to people about it. Uh, you start learning more about the problem that you're trying to address. Uh, you also get feedback from people, you know, as you share your idea, maybe you overlook something and then you start to refine your idea. And at the same time, it's going to be a, a learning journey personally. Like you're going to learn more about yourself, what you're able to take on and what if, what is beyond um, your means, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, Bottom line is, you just try and see what happens. You just go ahead and do it, and then most importantly is learn from it. Third advice, I think, is also very important. Um, I think it doesn't get um, it doesn't get out uh enough uh in terms of like telling people uh to to really like um to like. At uh, fine-tune the, the the purpose of social entrepreneurship, I think. Um, social entrepreneurship exists in a space that is created because of social inequities. Um, and it, this is caused by a variety of reasons. Lah. Uh, for example, it could be exp- like companies exploiting workers, you know, not paying them enough and then creating social problems because people don't have enough money or Uh, Poor governance of an area, you know, um, lack of infrastructure, uh, lack of um, social protection and things like that, Uh, and also like imbalance of power between like the the marginalized and those in power. Uh, So all these social inequities uh, are there, but they should not stay there forever. So social enterprises ought to work Mm -hmm. towards an expiry or an end date of when those uh, inequities should disappear. Uh, that's, this is very important because as we talk about sustainability and things like that, you don't want a social enterprise to last forever. If it lasts forever, the problem is you're trying to maintain the problem so that you have a source of work to do, you know, so you want this to like expire mm-hmm. and disappear at the end of the day. So you know, it's not it's mm-hmm. not going to be about the number of people you help on the ground, but the systemic changes that you manage to influence uh, eventually. So that that is very important for social mm-hmm. enterprise to work towards. Lah. For example, you know, instead of consistently helping marginalized communities, you know, to have extra pocket money, work towards getting existing mm-hmm. employers to like pay better wages. You know, it solves the problem totally if that happens. You know, instead of, like, providing free okay. teaching classes, you know, why don't we work towards improving the student's schooling experience because they do go to school, you know? Uh, you know, when we started Aroso, so mm-hmm. our end goal was either to start, like, uh, a model school where we get to design the whole learning environment for students um, and then, you know, for MOE to see that it's possible and then take it up, you know, adopt it into, into existing schools. Or... You know, for MOE to mm-hmm. take notice of what we're doing um, through all the different programs and things like that, and implement uh, some of these practices uh, and, and systems in, in their existing education system. So for us, it's like the moment I disappear is when uh, MOE changes the way they provide an education experience for the students.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, for the last question, uh, what is the impact of your social enterprise to the society and what do you hope for in the future?
1: At the moment, I would say um, we're blessed to be in a position to work with uh, funders as well as the Ministry of Education uh, through various collaborations and at different levels like state level and federal level. Um, starting in 2015 and 2016, we were there um, when we started working with NDEC to develop supplementary teaching modules and conducted training to assist teachers when the school curriculum uh, introduced computer science and recurrent technology into the syllabus. Uh, so, a, a lot of teachers were mm-hmm. unafraid to teach uh, new content. So, uh, we helped provide um, uh, modules like lesson plans you know, so that they, they are able to continue teaching their classes. Even if they may not be very well equipped, and we train the teachers uh, to upskill them uh, in this uh, area. And since last year, Mm -hmm. uh, we developed a self learning platform for teachers to upskill themselves uh, with remote teaching and utilizing digital tools for learning when the country was hit by MCO. So, uh, uh, thousands of teachers Mm -hmm. actually have benefited from these resources uh, until today. Uh, We've trained uh, teachers to also mm-hmm. plan for digital lessons, and some of them have created a wide variety of lesson plans uh, for other teachers to access on the ministry's Lima portal. And we've
0: also mm-hmm. developed like
1: self-learning platforms ourselves for students to access free computer science lessons uh, that is aligned to their syllabus in school. So students um, learning microbit in in primary school. Uh, learning HTML, Python, uh, SQL in Form 1, Form 2, Form 3, all have access to learning that is aligned to their own um, syllabus in school. Uh, So with this, you know, thousands Mm -hmm. of students across the country, all states have uh, benefited from this access. Yeah. And on a local level, uh, Mm -hmm. with our learning center, our long-term programs, uh, we, we were able to help our students access opportunities that they never thought they would have. Um, Some of these students, you know, they have Mm -hmm. enrolled themselves in computer science courses and various courses, uh, you know, that that when, if they were in school, they never thought was possible for them. Yeah. We even have Mm -hmm. former students who in the early years, um, they started an all-girls coding club in school called GEMS, Girls in Engineering, Mathematics Mm -hmm. and Science. Uh, so that they can empower more girls to be confident about uh, learning coding, Uh, you know, uh, away away from, you know, in the shadows of boys. And of course, boys tend to be very energetic in class and the girls tend to get overlooked. So they started this, you know, so that they have a a space for themselves to learn coding and support each other. And now they are in college, Mm -hmm. but every weekend, this... Um, former students, uh, they are leading coding classes for other girls in their community under the same program.
0: So you do. Uh, so how do you take in your? Uh, how do you recruit your teachers? I mean, uh, do you have your students that end up being teachers mm-hmm. as well?
1: That is what we hope for. Teachers yeah, for our. so mm-hmm. like these two girls um, running the classes for us. So this is the first time uh, ever mm-hmm. that you know students. Uh, leading classes for other students. Uh, they they are already school leavers, and mm-hmm. uh, they are helping primary school girls um, learn the things that they used to learn. And we just mentor them, and we just coach mm-hmm. them, and empower them to continue doing this. And uh, we hope to have more more of this uh, for us here in Uh, We we want we want Arus to be something that they own. Uh, the the academy. Uh, these students, they contribute back to, the, to their own community, you know, they understand their community better than we do, you know. So that's what we hope for like, in the mm-hmm. future um, with regards to the space that mm-hmm. the local community there takes ownership of what ARUS can do for them.
0: Uh, so mostly your, your students are from just yes. the public schools, right? Uh, do, do you have uh, in, uh, students from international uh, schools?
1: On a short-term basis, like sometimes during school holiday programs, uh, we would have students from other areas uh, that will take part and participate in some of our programs. Uh, but those are short-term, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: short-term programs whether we do workshops.
0: Okay. So I think uh, that's about all the questions we have for you. So thank you for sharing valuable information, uh, success stories, and your kind advice with us in this podcast. Um, you we wish you all the best with even okay, more success you. stories okay and i hope you can you can help even more students to achieve uh, uh better skills uh, acquirement uh for them to be for the, for for it to be an added value in their resume when they uh applying for yeah. jobs after this right uh, so uh, thank you again uh, for being okay, with us today okay you. mr daniel so uh, okay I hope you thank good you. luck okay thank you I hope the interview with Mr. Daniel just now will be useful for the students of Al-Bukhari International University and also the community in general there will be more episodes in this podcast so stay tuned for more interviews and information about social enterprises in Malaysia as well as about social business in general thank you, until next time